This is Center Stage, putting your firm in the spotlight by highlighting business owners and other industry experts to help take your firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week we're talking about growing your firm. Uh, you know, we've had several topics in and around this. This week specifically, we're going to talk about you know ways to address a lot of the inefficiencies, the clunky processes, and uh, you know big things that consume a lot of your time as a firm owner um, that just often exist in solo and small firms. And so to do that, I am joined by someone who uh, I think has done a really good job uh, with that in his firm. It's allowed him to generate a bunch of free time to come on podcasts and do things like this and talk about things like this. And so uh, that is attorney Andrew Zimmer. Thanks for joining us this week. Thank you. Um, and I do you want to kind of jump in with that? Is that I think that's what's unique is I'm not an attorney. So at, at the firm, it's my, it's my wife and I, she's the attorney in the legal brains. I come from this past of engineering and the corporate world. And we've kind of come together to make this really cool yin yang of yeah. how do we build out this firm this way? And so that's, I think, kind of our hidden secret is even right there is just, in, yeah. we have totally different backgrounds. Yes, awesome. I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, I want to talk, I will ask you about um working with your spouse later on. But you know, I so you, you know, you talk about a little bit that uh right there, you come from an engineering background, so you kind of have that um, you know, the technical mindset kind of, you know, but a little bit more strategic where you can kind of see and map out a lot of these processes in your mind. So you talk a little bit about your background and how you kind of got into this, into the legal world. Sure. Um, yep. So if I go back in my degrees in electrical engineering, um, my first jobs, I've worked at Northrop Grumman, um, at Rolls-Royce, and then at a place called Bettis Laboratory, which is another uh, department of defense contractor. And so I came from this hyper-technical world, mostly either nuclear power or um, defense with some fun things in the intelligence world. And I think what I learned there was problem solving for problems that had never been solved before. We were truly doing things that had never been done, solve problems that feel impossible. And you say, I'm going to put enough amazingly smart people in a room for a long enough time, they will get there. And as I was doing that, my wife's an estates and trusts attorney and had been building a book of business and working on her practice and her legal skills. And after practicing for a number of years said, you know, I think I want to go on my own. I said, go out great. I'll be a supportive spouse and maybe, you know, kind of help however I can look at some you know, expenses. I'm a spreadsheet nerd and just said, let me help however I can. And I think over time it turned into a, maybe we could work one day to it really accelerated. Um, I, I think it was within like eight months of her opening up like the firm. She said, can you come in full time? And I said, you know what? I'd love a career change. This entrepreneurial side is really fun for me. And then I won't be doing this from nine o'clock at night to midnight. I can do this you know, during the good hours of the day. And we've just exploded since then. So she started in 2017. I joined full time in 2018. And then here we are and it's just blowing up. And we really have these different niche roles of mine's more on the process procedure side. I've gotten into more marketing now, um, more, I think, carrying out her visions, right? So she's got an awesome vision and she's an amazing person yeah. in the t technical, like legal portion. And then I try to kind of carry all that out and make it happen. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting. I mean, cause you know, we've talked, we've talked to a bunch of different people on this show, you know, and I, you know, the, the broad kind of assumption is that most lawyers, even ones that go out on their own, they're, they're that executor, you know, it's, it's more like, you know, they just default to just doing everything on their own. 
And obviously that's where you have a lot of issues where, you know, not everything, you don't have enough time in the day to get things done. And then on the other side of that, though, you have more of the visionary kinds of people who have these ideas, they have all this thing, but again, still not enough time. And so you need a team, you need processes that can help keep things on track. So kind of where I wanted to start you know, I, you know, we've worked with hundreds of law firms all over the country and, you know, I've seen just so many different, just clunky processes, just from intake, kind of how they communicate even just back and forth, even working with us. And, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago, you know, you probably had like paper forms or things that need to be faxed, or you had this really long intake call that maybe took an hour and a half, two hours, because people are having to write down things and then go in afterwards and input it into a CRM or something. A lot of that now, thankfully, can be automated scalable, streamlined, and all of that. What have you implemented at your firm that has really helped make things more efficient? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because it's kind of always changing. So I'd say like most recently, you know, we were big users of Clio. So we mm-hmm. use Clio Manage. Um, this year, we finally started using Clio Grow again. You know, um, the history with them, they used to be Lexicata. They got bought by Clio. We were one of the very first users in Lexicata. It wasn't a good solution. So we kind of made our own using Trello. Um, and yep. in the, kind of the Kanban concepts of work in progress, and we would task work that way. Um, so, you know, more recently we've used Grow that you, lets us, you know, streamline our intake process. So when someone reaches out to us either online and they can self-schedule with us for a consult yeah, call, yeah. they can call, they can email, and that gets right into there. We have about a 15 minute, maybe 20 minute consult call. And the goal of that is to either get them then engaged or find them someone else or we're just not a good fit. You know, we're very niche right. firm. So we're not a generalist. Anyone that comes is a good fit. Um, and within 20 minutes, we have everything that we need then to have them engaged and then move into a design meeting, a strategy meeting, or some kind of paid consultation to give them the, the advice that they want. And we're able to do that in total team effort, probably under 30 minutes across maybe two people. Um, I think that's way better than like you're saying, where there's places that'll do an hour phone call, maybe two calls, you know, it's like, they're not getting paid for that. You know, our goal is to try to get as quickly as we can get someone either in or determine it's just not a good fit and get them away. Yeah. And and obviously it makes things so much easier. I want to talk for a second, just about how you use Clio. Cause I, you know, I hear a lot of people talk, you know, they might use Clio to just, you know, track casework, but I know that those CRMs, especially the one that we use, we use Zoho, which is not legal specific. It's just, you know, for small businesses generally across the board, but I know in our experience, you know, CRMs like this have so many more functions that they can do, you know, different apps, different things that you can use within them. You know, how, what all do you use Clio for in your firm? Yeah. So it starts with Clio grow to bring the person in. And then they have a really awesome backend where once someone engages our firm, it's a, it's an export into Clio manage. And that's already a huge time saver because before someone then had to go in and say, I'm going to create a new matter. Who's the client who were, you know, related family members or parties with it, put all these details in. Well, now that's one click of a button. So right there, that saves us 10 to 20 minutes because we, mm-hmm. we're not going to double you know, entry that. Once we're in Clio Manage, which is the bigger tool, um, you know, we use it for kind of the overall database, right? Of who's who are the players, how do we talk to them? Yeah. We use it for invoicing, collecting payment. Um, we track our time internally, you know, who's worked on what. 
We use it for document generation is the big one for us, right? So we do a lot of wills, trusts, powers of attorney, letters, explaining things to people. Well, again, we, we've built out, we take a ton of time to create the templates and forms within Clio. And so we use what they call the custom fields, which are these you know, variables from software where you put in, you know, first name, last name, and, you know, do I want it to be first and first or however you want to build it out. And then we put all that in, we can have then lower level people put that in law clerks or somebody like that. And then when you click generate, it, it'll spit out the whole package. And now we're looking at a couple of minutes to tweak it, massage it, and make it the final product it needs to be. But we're not opening up an old file and saying, oh, John Smith was the right one that's kind of similar. Let's start with that. That's where errors come from because you're missing yeah. things. We always start fresh, but our fresh is so efficient that it's faster anyways. Right. Yeah. And you know, you talk about, I know document prep is a big one, but just, I mean, just having all of that in one spot to where, you know, the invoicing side can still communicate with, you know, the, the main record. So, you know, because like, you know, you could have one, it, it can be difficult to know if someone's paid or not. You can probably see right there on their record, Hey, this mount is overdue. Oh, all you got to do is click a button and now it invoices them and goes to try to collect that payment rather than you having to either call them, track them down or use a completely different program and then manually input. It just, it, I don't think people truly realize like how much stuff like this communicates with each other and is all in one and you can have everything on just one page where you have all your information. Especially, and, and as you grow, you know, I think back yeah. five years ago when we were doing a little bit in this, you know, $150,000 in revenue a year, right? Right. Well, that's, I'm, I don't know, I'm going to guess that was 60 clients a year. You can do things like the least efficient way and still succeed because you just, you have time to do that. Well, now that we've grown to over a million dollars in revenue a year, we work with three, 400 clients a year, you know, it quickly shines a light on that way takes too long. When I can save two, three, four minutes, you know, I need to send a second invoice or get an additional payment or follow up something that's two clicks and takes 20 seconds changes my day when I'm doing that a hundred times versus it takes two minutes or three minutes yeah. or five minutes. Yeah. If you only have six clients, it's not a huge time savings. It really blows up in your face when you go, I have to now do right. this repetitively tons. And so it's start correct when you're small and when it is easy and work through those kinks because the goal is to get really big. Mm -hmm. you're, you can't do it then. So you have to, you have to do it on the front end. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't expect to grow if you're still taking the same amount of time to process one client that you did when you first started out. And so, yeah, I, I think it's just a really good reminder. So to get back on track, I know we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I think it was important. Um, once someone retains you, all right, you know, you've got your automations and everything set up to get their information, and all that. But once they make the decision to, to retain you, what have you kind of done to streamline the case process from start to finish so that you know, everyone kind of always knows whether it's, you know, you guys in the office or even your clients, you know, that everyone is on the same page and is always aware of what's going on. Yeah. So we, you know, I think the upside of being a niche firm and that we have lanes is that really can break things into estate planning, um, estate administration, um, Medicaid elder law, um, asset protection, and we do some business work and a couple pieces over here. And so they really fall into these buckets and I'll use estate planning for example. And once they're engaged, everyone gets a design meeting with an attorney. It can be in person or video or phone to design their plan. From there, our team is going to draft their documents reviewed internally. We're gonna send them documents 
for them to review and then set up a review phone call to answer any question about anything they have. And then once that's done, we move into a signing where they can come in and get the document signed, witnessed, and notarized, or we'll put together a packet to take it to the notary of their choice. That's our estate planning process. We put it in our proposal. It's in front of them. We talk about it during the consult call. The whole team knows this is the way it goes. So it's not like, well, does this person get two design meetings? If we have to, we'll build a custom, more expensive plan for that person. But of our 200 estate planning couples, you know, our families that we'll work with this year, this plan works for about 195 of them. So it's, yeah. this is what we're doing is what we're doing every time. Our design meeting has a flow, the way we task out then to our team, how, you know, when to do the drafts, how to get them into the review process, how to circle through that, who's sending them to the client as a draft review. All of that then has been kind of scripted out and predetermined. We're not doing this kind of shoot by the hip of like, oh, you know, could you send them to the client this time? Like everybody has a specific role. And a lot of that efficiency comes from we've mapped this out. If we see a gap or something kind of changes over time, we'll you know, hit the conference room and start changing the flow. Or if we want to make a tweak or we think we can add more value, we'll build it in. But we we create these processes start to finish. State administration, we do the same thing. It's maybe a year, year and a half long process. But again, it's 72 tasks and pieces and which player is doing which piece. And we really connect the dots that way. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and I would imagine you, if you don't have it set up this way, you maybe have something similar, but like, you know, a, a, on our end, the way that we do it is once like maybe a new lead is created or, you know, a new client decides to start working with us, as soon as that status gets changed, all of these tasks are automatically generated. You know, it's, it's basically, it's called a blueprint on our program. I don't know what Clio calls it, but you know, all of these tasks are automatically generated so that everybody immediately knows what they need to do in over the course of the next 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the case is. And that, like you said, it just makes it so easy because everybody knows what's expected. Yes. Um, we use a lot of checklists built mm-hmm. in with this and we do use Trello to the side of Clio for a lot of yeah. for some additional tracking, but then someone can go in if they want to check a status. We really easily, you can see these are the 14 steps we've kind of predetermined and where we've completed six of them. Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is the person just still working on it? Is it on hold? You know, we have ways in, to, to then build in, I need more information. I need to schedule time with somebody. I mean, it just, it takes out then, I think a lot of the extraneous emails or teams or, you know, whatever you're using for like chat, it it cuts down on just like extra communication because people can kind of solve it themselves or see it right in front of them. And we can communicate within the tools, which keeps me from just saying, Hey, did you get the financial power of attorney done? Well, I can see that you checked it off. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, you had mentioned to me when we were talking off air, you, you basically, you know, your firm prides itself on virtually no errors. And, you know, you talked about that means, you know, a big problem for you guys is almost normal and acceptable for other firms. So what did you mean by that? Yeah. So we believe, so I think this is, this comes from my world. Like I, you know, I was in a group that was designing simulators, training the the Navy sailors for using Mm -hmm. nuclear reactors on a submarine. And I've worked on intelligence satellites and things like that. I came from these places where you got one crack at it, it had to be right, or it was utter failure. There was no in between. And so we've really brought that in with when a client's going to work with us, whether it's a simple letter they need put together, it's a state plan. We do a lot of carrying out the estate because their parents passed away, whatever we're doing, 
yes, we're going to do this hundreds of times this year, but it's their one opportunity to work with us or someone like us. So it has to be perfect for them. And so we just take the approach on it is either flawless or we have failed. And we don't really allow for like 95% is good enough. It's 100%. Um, I'm huge on the Jocko Willink quote on it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. And we just do not tolerate anything other than perfection. So if we, you know, during our internal reviews, we don't go, that's pretty good. Maybe we should just not do that next time. Go back through, fix it, make sure the names are correct. If people wanted to have middle initials or middle names or none of it or a nickname somewhere, we're going to follow through with exactly what that person wanted and expected. You know, we're going to always be consistent with when we're doing addresses. If it's street and drive, do we spell it out or do we abbreviate? You know, we're always going to put all those little things together because the client is coming to us to say, you're the legal expert. You know, I, they don't know what the trust provision means or some powers right. of an executor. They will key on if their name's not spelled correctly or right. if page numbering's wrong. So it's like you have to get these little details nailed to build the trust that you've done the hard part correctly. Because if you yeah. missed the zip code in the address on the letter you sent them, if you can't get that, why would you have any faith that you can do anything at all correctly at that point? And so that's the way we take it. And we'll get a petition from a, you know, other opposing counsel and names are misspelled and the addresses are flipped around. Yeah. And we just, we, we don't do because we won't tolerate it. You know, again, when someone brand new yeah. comes in and makes that mistake, it's, it is a lot longer to teach them and work through, but it's, it becomes like really quick of a, that just does not fly here. We don't rush through it. It must be perfect. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, one kind of side effect of that, you know, is if someone was maybe on the fence about maybe working with a firm directly or doing something like legal zoom and just trying to do it on their own, you know, to your point, like a lot of small mistakes like that could make them think, oh, well, I mean, I could have just done that myself, not thinking necessarily that like the actual clauses and provisions in the actual estate plan doing it themselves might not even be admissible anyway, but just, you know, yeah, I mean, just even small details like that really do go a long way towards building that trust, which I mean, I, you know, is really, really huge when you're working with a law firm. Right, because everything matters, everything can be scrutinized later. And so we just put a ton of time into the, getting the little details to, you know, kind of build on the big ones. If you let little things go, you're more likely to let that kind of, it's a pyramid, right? Yeah. And if I've got a really solid foundation with no problems and I can't really build those next layers of problems on, if I start letting a layer or two problems be there, mm. I can get these really catastrophic things where things are like flat out wrong, malpractice type issues. And so we yeah. just kind of stay out of that area altogether. Um, and then it's fun because the team becomes kind of, it's a good competitive. We have a really awesome culture, but like that reviewer knows it's a serious job. So when they're reviewing a document, they want to make it perfectly flawless. And there's, yeah. a, you know, it's, it's a, I'm going to find something. I'm going to find something in here just to, to nail it. You know what I mean? And, and then the yeah. drafter, I feel like takes a lot of pride in, and I'm not going to let you find anything. And so then it's this competition kind of between the two. And at the end of the day, you get an amazing product for the client. Yeah. So to kind of play devil's advocate here for a second, you know, I, I, people out there, they know that they should have this stuff automated. They know that that technology is out there, but they're probably listening and saying, yeah, you know, it all sounds good, but Andrew, you, you come from this engineering background. You're probably naturally a very tech savvy person. Maybe I'm not, maybe I barely know how to use my smartphone. How complicated or simple is the implementation 
and setup of these automations and processes? And then how much time did you spend setting all of this up on the front end? Um, it is a lot of time, um, but we spend a lot to do it right. So when we get to the final implementations, I think implementation is the easy part. It's usually mapping it out. So when we come into Clio Grow, right, we've got these different columns and it's the workflow. We spend a lot of time understanding what does the tool allow? How does you know our vision fit into this tool? Do we have to move things around? Do we have to say we can't do it this way anymore? And we spend way more time, a lot of my time then is kind of designing what the flow will look like, how to have it happen. What are the automations that we can create? Is that more value? We want to make sure if it's going to kick out a checklist. I mean, we need the, the team's buy-in that this is the right checklist. I don't want to make this 50 times. Right. And once we get to that point, then it's just implement. Um, and so like when we went to Clio Grow, we probably knocked it out and got it to 80 or 90% effective within under three days. So it probably took me, you know, 16 or 20 yeah. hours. And then it was up and running. And then we went, oh, you know, we could clean this up. This part's not flowing the way we thought. And maybe another four to eight hours. And it was done. We walked away and it's it's up and running. And now Clio Grow never really needs touched other than maybe some maintenance once a year to, to tweak based on changes that we have. Yeah. It's worth it. It does take time. Yeah. But, you know, our intake has gone from the call plus the data entry, moving these people around. I mean, maybe something that was taking an hour to hour and a half total to get them from like initial call to engaged into that system. Now we're talking, the phone call hasn't really shrunk, but otherwise the front end is two or three minutes, the back end's two or three minutes. Now we're down to the call plus six or eight minutes instead of call plus 40 minutes. That's a lot of time when you're doing that a hundred times, 200 times a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and and you may have been able to do this all yourself because you are more of a tech savvy person. Your brain kind of operates this way. But I mean, I would imagine that Clio has a lot of support that can Tons. you can coordinate with. Yeah. They have support. Um, we do like I'll use people on Fiverr, um, you know, agencies like yourself, like like there are people that can help. And when you mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the beautiful thing about attorneys is that they do have a kind of a high hourly rate. And so you yeah. start looking at it and this is going to take me two hours <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, what what will it cost for you to do something? And what are you going to bill me for that? And if right. I can get more done in that window, this is a net win. Let's go do that. And again, I think when people take that mindset with whatever they're looking to do, realizing how long is it going to take you to get good at this? Mm-hmm. And then still, how long does it take? Just hire somebody yeah. and yeah. go stay in your lane and then you can get all this implemented. They, they, then they can kind of come to you with a like, it's decision A or B. Let me give you some background. In two minutes, you make a decision and they go back and implement. And that's really what we do internally. That's my yeah. job is to like carry out implement design. And I'll go to you know Tracy and say, this or this, do you want the client to see it this way or this way? Do you think you know, the, the letter should be this way or this way or kick out these this one or these two? Uh, this too. Okay. I'll be back and let you see test examples. Give me two hours. And yeah, she, you know, billing clients and doing that world. And I think building your kind of team that way helps a ton, whether it's internally or subcontractors, other vendors, agencies, it's the smartest thing you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you talk, you made such a great point there. It's just like, if this thing is going to take me four hours and I'm charging, you know, on average $300 an hour, you know, I'm I'm essentially saying I'm going to sacrifice, you know, potentially $1200 in revenue to do this when potentially you could have like a subcontractor or, you know, some support knock it out in half the time and you're still working on things that you're getting 
direct revenue for. And so, yeah, it just, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the last question I want to ask you, um, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, you run your firm with your wife. Uh, you know, we have a couple of clients, uh, husband and wife pairs. Um, what advice do you have for other lawyers out there who are in business with their spouse? Um, I think having, you know, roles and, and boundaries, um, you know, we're really good at that. You know, it's just been a natural thing where I, I jokingly kind of say we're this like Uber Venn diagram where we overlap on very little. And that part's super collaborative and awesome. But otherwise, I'm more in marketing, a lot of process, uh, like efficiencies, tech, those tools. She's really the legal space, customer, client experience there. And then we kind of do some overlap. And so I'm not going to tell her how to do well. I'm not an attorney. If she wants me to, hey, does this seem clear to somebody who doesn't have this background? I'm happy to give my two cents. And, you know, if I'm getting into the nuts and bolts on, you know, cost per acquisition and Google ads, we'll talk some high level budget, but, you know, that's not her area either. And so I think when you can be in like different areas, that really helps. If you're going to be completely overlapped, then you've got to determine like, who's the decision maker, who has authority on this versus this. And I think that's more where conflict happens. So if you can kind of have different areas or different expertise, we're both attorneys, but one does litigation and one does, you know, transaction work, kind of keep good, good to yourselves, help where you can, but like do your thing. I think that helps. Yeah. And then, I mean, is it, is it one of those situations where you keep work at work or is it, you know, kind of more fluid where, you know, something comes up eight and nine o'clock at night, you guys will discuss it or what? It's super fluid. Um, we love what we do. Um, and so you know, we've got two kids, you know, we go home, we try to be home by five, five 30, hang out with the kids, do dinner, some games, whatever we're going to do with them, bath time, bedtime. And then usually after that, um, some nights we like work, work, she's drafting documents, I'm making website updates, but there's other nights that we're just talking about how could I've been a better leader with an employee today? You know, how could that meeting have gone differently? Hey, which consults did I have? And let me kind of feed it back to you to get your two cents on what would maybe you've said or something like that. And I feel like we talk business all the time, but it's usually, um, we make a lot of our growth at night because, you know, we can kind of recap, see what the other person did and kind of weigh in on, oh man, I never thought of pitching it that way. Okay. I'm going to use a couple of those words tomorrow during my calls. And we do a lot of that at night. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's really great. And I mean, you know, I, obviously every couple is going to be different, but I know that, um, you know, that it's always good to just get that, that outside perspective from someone who's, you know, in that same arena, you know, whether, you know, it's working with your spouse or just, you know, kind of what we've been talking about the whole time is just, you know, navigating automations and processes and just making their firm more efficient. Um, you know, just to kind of wrap it all up, you know, the the overarching topic, you know, is, is just growing your law firm with more efficient processes. I mean, you know, you don't have to give like specific numbers, but I mean, you know, s- scaling, I mean, h- how much would you attribute these processes to the overall trajectory of the firm as it's grown over the last few years? Completely. And the reason I'll say that is because I think from a team member employee standpoint, um, people would be shocked at the revenue we do with the the members that we have. Um, And that's a direct result of efficiency and automation. Um, I was coming back from an appointment this morning and realized that the revenue we did last month was almost what we did the first entire year for the law firm. So that you think about it, the number of consult calls, intake documents, what we did the last 31 days was what we almost did in 365, five years ago. Well, yeah. And we're doing that with 
you know, Tracy's the you know, kind of partner lead attorney. We've got another associate. We've got one law clerk, one paralegal, an admin, and myself. That's the entire team. And we're doing over a million dollars of revenue every year. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, because we've streamlined and people can kind of, with a couple of clicks, get work done that would take us hours before. And so you realize like, it's like, it's the greatest way to unlock your, your own potential is by creating these processes, having it be repeatable, getting really good at it. When you're really good at it, you will just become efficient. As you get efficient, you get more done in that same window. When you get more done in the same window, your, yeah. you know, your, your margins just go awesome for yourself. You make more money and you're getting more done with like 10 or 20% more people. It's just a, a net win overall. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, I mean, if people have questions about, you know, frameworks and, and setting up automations, I mean, how can they contact you to maybe get some direction? Yeah, absolutely. I try to be pretty active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So, you know, I've got both of those handles. Um, or if anyone ever wants to look up Zimmerlaw.com, uh, you know, find me on there, grab my email, you know, azimmer at Zimmerlaw.com. And I'm always trying to help people or point them in the right direction. Um, and just give what I can. But yeah, I'd say on Instagram, I put a lot of content on kind of moving your business forward. Yeah, you know, try to make a couple of posts a day on these types of topics. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll have that uh, information in the show notes. Um, one final question that we ask, or at least I try to ask all of our center stage guests, uh, if you had one final piece of advice for our listeners out there, what would it be? Um, actually understand where you want to be with your firm, your own, your personal life, all those types of details, right? Cause they really come together and find where you want to be and then just take the action. Right. I tell this to people every, all the time, we've not necessarily implemented things the best way we've took the action to implement, which put us better than, you know, whatever 80 or 90% of people, because we just took the steps forward. And so if you will just take those steps forward, you'll start to figure it out as you're walking along that path. But if you wait for this ultimate perfect, everything, the stars never will align that way. And then you will still be where you're at today, five years from now. So literally just get it going enough and start moving. Yeah. Progress over perfection. Always. Absolutely. Love it. Well, this has been uh, fantastic. A lot of great insight, a lot of good perspective. Uh, I hope everyone out there uh, got some value out of it. Um, That's going to do it for this week on Center Stage. Continue to rate and review us uh, wherever you're consuming the show and uh, appreciate all the feedback that we're continuing to get. Um, It is really great and it's really helping me, um, you know, find new guests and and different topics to cover here. So I really do appreciate that. And that's going to do it. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.